This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Amen. You know, kicking off this series called Simple Church, that's two words that you often don't think really go together, simple and church. Because normally when you think about church, you think complex. You think about a church that may be full of committees, and then they have subcommittees for the committee, and then they have sub-subcommittees for the subcommittee for the committee, and then they have sub-sub-subcommittees for the sub-subcommittee for the subcommittee for the committee. Thank you very much. I practiced that in the mirror. No, I'm kidding. There's subcommittees. There's all these different things that make church very complex. There's, there's a lot of people that uh, associate complexity with church life when you think about all the programs under the sun that someone's trying to convince us this is what we need, or you think about the latest and greatest technology that someone's trying to get, or maybe something more traditional. That's what we need, and, and it's all of these different ideas and all these very complex things that try to come together. We talk about change, we talk about conflict and growth, we talk about projects, we talk about fundraising, care ministry, weekend services, ministries, and for all ages, boys and girls, you know, and, and we want to have all of these things that just seems to just go on and on and on and it never ends. And if we're not careful, this thing called church can become a machine. It can become a production. It can become something that God never intended for it to be because we'll make it all about us. If we're not careful, we'll make church all about us and all about what I get and all about what I want. And we think that this thing should just be structured all around my desires, my needs, everything that I want, and my comfort. And when we think that it's all about us, we begin to try to program it out in such a way to make everybody happy. I don't care. You get two people in the same car. You're not going to make everybody happy. Right? You're not going to make everybody happy. It's just not going to happen. It's impossible. But the thing is, is that when we look at church like a machine, when we look at it like a program, when we look at it like a weekend service, when we look at it as a production or a machine, then we're missing the point, we're missing the heart of what church is supposed to be. Because church is not an event, church is family. Oh, I'm going to say that slow so I can say it some more. And I'm actually going to say it slower. Church is not an event, it is family. I got accused in a staff meeting of, Pastor, you say, say, I'm going to say it slow so I can say it some more a lot, but you never actually say it slow, you just repeat it. And so I said, well, I'm going to actually say it slow next time I say that. So there you go. That argument is done with. (laughs) Church is not an event. It's family. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what God created it to be. You know, family is one of the very first institutions that God put together and ordained. This idea of family, this idea of belonging, this idea of mattering. And I've always said it like this. Church is not somewhere you go, it's who you are. It's not somewhere you go. You see, I don't go to body of Christ. I am a part of the body of Christ. Amen? I'm a part of this thing. It's not an event where I can put it on my task or, uh, or my to-do list and I can mark it off or check it off. And then all of a sudden I go, oh, well, church is over with. I'm done with church. No, I'm never done with church because I never stop being a part of the family of God. I never stop being a part of the body of Christ. It's not an event. It's a family. I want you to think about church here at Word of Grace like a big old family reunion. Aunts and uncles, crazy cousins, everybody. Uncle Eddie's going to pull up in his RV sometime soon. 
just like on Christmas vacation. And don't laugh at Uncle Eddie because you might be him. But I want you to understand this idea of church being family. This is the heart of God for this body of Christ that he has created. And it's not perfect. It's definitely not something where everybody always gets what they want all of the time. Because it's not about us. It's about something else that brings us all together. And it's not me. It's not Derek. It's God. Amen? This isn't Derek's church. This is God's church. Word of grace belongs to him. We're a part of this family of God. You see, family understands we're all different in our roles, but ultimately we are all connected by something that unifies us, something that brings us together, something that we all have in common, something that we can all rally around and align ourselves to. And that's why with our Americanized version of church oftentimes, our, our, our ideas of how things should go and our Americanized ideology that's driven by consumerism will creep its way into the church. It will creep its way into the body of Christ. And people treat the body of Christ, the church, like it's some type of commodity that we shop around for for the best deal. And we don't understand being called. We understand shopping around for amenities and things that we like. And oh, well, I like this church because they have these amenities. I like this church because they have those amenities. And we put ourselves in a consumer-driven market for church. And that's not the way that God wanted this thing to go. He wanted this thing to be family. I know sometimes you want to shop around for a different family, but you're stuck with the one you got. (laughs) Why? Because you're connected. Because you're connected. This thing called church shouldn't be something that we shop around for because somebody's got the latest and greatest toys and technology or because their service is cooler than someone else's. That's not what we should be looking for. That's not what we should be using as an attractant to try to get people to be a part of this family called Word of Grace that's uh, just a smaller part of the bigger family of God. I've always lived by the principle and believe that what you attract people with is what you're going to keep them with. Hello, somebody. What you catch them with, what you're going to keep them with. So if we catch people with gimmicks, then we got to keep being gimmicky to keep people. Hello. If we catch people with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ and the Word, then that's what's going to keep them, and that's what's going to in, in, enable them to grow. It's what's going to enable them to be disciples. That's what's going to enable them to grow in this family and be a productive member of the body of Christ that's out glorifying Him, living for Him, showing the love and truth of Jesus. And it takes it further than just a weekend service. It takes it further than just a ministry that you enjoy. It takes it further than just singing on the weekend. It makes it a part of my everyday life when I look at it like family. And when I understand that I'm to be called to this thing. This is where God wants me. This is where I need to be planted to thrive and to grow. This is where God desires for me to be because this is the family that he has called me to. This is the family he's called me to be unified with, to function as a family, and to sometimes dysfunction as a family, just like your natural family. But let me tell you something about the family of God. There's something about this family of God that you and I need to understand and clarify, that this is a forever relationship you and I have with one another. That's right. You got me forever, baby. Why? Because we're connected, because we're all sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. 
I mean, I mean of God. We're connected through Jesus Christ. We're all sons and daughters of the King. Amen? And we're connected because we have this one thing in common, and that's Jesus. We might look different. We might like different TV shows. We might like different sports teams. But the one thing we do have in common, <laughs> the one thing we do have common is not whether we like a different uh, a sports team or whether we enjoy these kinds of homes or these kinds of meals or laugh at these kinds of jokes. No, the thing that we have in common is Jesus Christ. That's the thing that brings us together. And that's the thing that brings a family together is the thing they have in common is that relationship with one another. That they have, they share a name with one another. They share a history. They share a lineage. They share these values together. And it draws us together as a natural family. But our forever family, the thing that draws us together is the love of God, Jesus Christ. That's what draws us together. So we're not an event that you come to and check off your list every week. We're a family. And a family grows in doing life together. That's what God has called us to do, to grow in doing life together because we grow in unity, in care, and in love for God and for one another. We grow together as followers of Jesus. We grow together as disciples of Christ. We see out here on this big red wall when you walk in that it says, love God, love people, and serve the world. And that's what God has called us to do because when we as a family love God and we understand His love, then it enables us to love what He loves. And guess what God loves? People. He loves people. You are the object of His affection. And if you love people like God loves people, then you're naturally going to want to serve and give. Why? Because you want to point people by serving them to loving God. So they can, in turn, experience His love. And then they can love people. And then as they love people, then they're driven to serve and to show others the love of God. So they too can love God. And they can love people. You get this or do I keep needing to go around and around and around? You see how it's reciprocal? You see how this just keeps moving and it never stops? This love God, love people, and serve the world? Jesus told us in Matthew 28 and verse, 20, verse 19 and 20 to go into all the world and to make disciples of every nation. He said, go and make disciples. That's what Jesus commissioned us to do. That was one of the last things he said here on the earth before he ascended into heaven. He said, go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. You and I are called to make disciples, not grow churches. Amen? The Bible says that the Lord builds the church. He builds the house. They that labor, labor in vain. So I need to allow God to build the church. I need to go out and do what Jesus commissioned me to do, and that's make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined learner, someone who follows Jesus Christ, someone who is allowing Him to be their example, who is trying to model their life after Him, who is looking to Him for their answer and their hope and their security, someone who has dedicated themselves to His teachings and His commands and wants to follow Him. And we grow in that. Discipleship is not some destination where you arrive and then all of a sudden, I am the disciple. It's I'm continually growing on this journey. Discipleship is a journey, not a destination. You and I aren't going to be made perfect until we see him face to face. You see, you and I are on this journey of growing and developing as a family. So what does a disciple look like? 
Well, I'll tell you what a disciple looks like. You ready? Simple church. A disciple is someone who loves God, loves people, and serves the world, and is always growing in those things. Because let me explain something to you about the love of God. The love of God, when we really start growing in our understanding of that, will change us from the inside out. We can learn all of the right principles. We can learn all the right things to say, all the right things to do, all of the things we should do and things we shouldn't do. But until our heart is changed, there's something there that you and I are trying to do in our own strength. We're not really doing it from our heart. You know, like when someone makes you mad, they offend you, and you say, oh, this person made me mad, but you know what? I forgive them. But in your heart, you really don't. Because when you think about what they did to you, the emotions of rage and anger will fuel up in your heart and in in your body and in your mind just as if they had offended you. But it's been 20-something years since that happened. Have you really forgiven them because you said to and because you knew you were supposed to say that? Or is God looking somewhere deeper where He sees the truth of what's really going on in our lives? See, when God pierces to the very core of who we are, He sees our heart, He sees our intentions, He sees our motives, and He knows whether or not we're genuine and sincere, we're real. We can't fool Him with our words, no matter how special they may be, or how pronounced they may be, or how educated they may be. He's not impressed. He doesn't go, oh, you said that really good. That's good. No, He says, I can tell if you meant it or not. Just like you can talk to a child and try to get them to explain certain things, but until they come to the realization for themselves of the heart behind what you're trying to tell them, we say things like this to our kids. It's like talking to a brick wall. I can't get through to them. Don't we say things like that to maybe you have a family member that you, man, I just, that guy's like talking to a fence post. We say things like that. Why? Because the information is bad. Because we're not presenting it creatively enough. Because we're not using all the right words and all the techniques and all the right skills. No, because there's something wrong. There's something that, 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 that takes it deeper than just the presentation. There's something that takes it deeper than the fact that it's just truth. Fact is, is that there's still some hardness in some areas of their heart. And they're not really listening with their heart and allowing their heart to truly be impacted. So you can go and speak truth all day long, but the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love because the love of God changes us from the inside out because what the love of God does is it opens up for us this idea that no matter who I've been, what I've done, that God will still love me, that his love is never going to give up on me like we sang earlier. His love is never going to quit on me. Think about that for a minute. We say we love people until they do something we don't like, and then we quit on them. That's if love. That's fallible love. That's love with strings attached. But God loves us with a kind of love that is unfailing. You know that it really wasn't the Roman soldiers that were nailing Jesus' hands and feet to the cross that day. It was you and me. It was our sin that was nailing Jesus to the cross. But what did he say after he was mocked, after he was spat upon, after he was beaten? Did he hang up there on the cross, gasping for air, say, you're going to get yours? No. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's 
the unconditional love of God being manifest in the man, Jesus Christ. And if I love God and I grow in that love for Him, then I begin to understand His love for me. And because I love God, regardless of what people may say or do to me, I can still continue to love them just like Christ loved me. And I can love people and serve them because of the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart. Say, well, that's uh, easier said than done there, preacher. Love somebody who's done something wrong to me? Yeah. Love somebody who's done something wrong to you, who will lie about you, who'll put you down, spit in your face. Yeah, that's what Jesus did. And the more I know him, the more that kind of love affects the way I treat people. See what I'm saying here? A lot, of, a lot of times when people do things we don't like in our lives, we hit the pause button. We call time out like we did when we were little kids and we'd fall and scrape our knee or get hurt or the, 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 the game wasn't going our way. Time out! Time out! I'm hurt! Time out! No, that we're not playing that way. Time out. But the thing is, is that a lot of us get stuck in time out for 20, 30 years. We think that the world stops when we're offended. We think the world stops when we're hurt. We think the world stops when we're wounded. We think the world stops when things aren't going our way. And so we get offended and we hit time out. And then what we don't realize is that 20, 30 years has gone by and the world keeps moving, but I'm still offended. And I haven't grown past that point because I'm still sitting here going, nope, time out. And I realize, wow, I haven't grown. I haven't lived the life that God had for me because I chose to harbor offense and bitterness instead of love like Christ loved. Because when I love like Christ loved, the kind of love he gave to me, when I can receive that kind of love, I can give that kind of love. That's what Jesus said in the book of Mark where he said, freely you've received, so freely give. So when you've received this kind of love, you're going to be able to give it genuinely, authentically, not just lip service, but the real stuff. When someone wants to do something wrong to you, that you can forgive them and that you can walk on and not allow bitterness to build up in your heart because you understand the love of Christ that you didn't deserve and you didn't earn. I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. You and I were pretty rotten, right? We couldn't earn the love of God. We couldn't be good enough to deserve the love of God. That's why it's a gift. He gave it freely. You and I deserve death because of our sin, but Jesus took death and put it in its grave. He took sin and put it in its grave. He took unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, jealousy, depression, all the junk that you and I may struggle with, and he put it in the grave. Anything that was a result of that sin, he said, this stuff is done. It is finished. That's the kind of love he loved you with. That's the kind of love he loved me with. You think about how we've lied, how we've stolen, how we've betrayed people, how we've done things that, you know, weren't really ethical or moral in our lives. And Christ can forgive us, but we want to hit time out because somebody else offended us and did us wrong. And we want to pause our lives or we want to see those people pay for what they did to us. That's not loving people. Amen? In John 13 and 35, Jesus said it like this. He said, the world's going to know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. That's going to be the calling card. Not your Jesus fish that's on your car, that's eating up the Darwin fish. 
Not the what would Jesus do bracelet, not the bumper sticker, not the Christian t-shirts, not the sweet cross tattoo that you got with a crown of thorns around it, with something written in Hebrew. That's not the mark that you're a Christian. The mark that you're a Christian is, do you have love for one another? He said, by this all men are going to know, that you're my disciples that you're a part of the family of God, that you are a son or a daughter of God. The world's going to be able to pick you out because you have love for one another. So that's what a disciple looks like, someone who grows in loving God. Because when I grow in my love for him, it affects my heart. And when it affects my heart, then it's going to change the way I treat people. All of a sudden, I'm going to be able to forgive. I'm going to be able to serve. I'm going to be able to be genuine with those things instead of just doing them because someone told me I should. I'm going to be able to do them authentically from the heart. Just like my kids, when they do something wrong to each other, tell your sister you're sorry. Sorry. No, 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 no. Come back here. What do we tell the kids? Say it like you mean it. And then they think that just means slower. Because apparently if we say things slow, that means we mean it. I'm sorry. That doesn't mean you mean it because I see right through you. How do I see right through you? Because I'm your dad. And I know if you're being legit with your apology, right? Just like God sees through you and me. He knows if we're being legit. He knows we're being authentic, not just because we say the right things. Not just because he knows our heart. And for us to embrace this idea of church being a family, we've got to grow in that love for God with one another. It means be patient with one another. Give one another grace. Give one another the opportunity to, 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 to show love. And for us to not to walk in judgment of one another. Because so what kind of family is that? I don't want to be a part of a family that's always judging and criticizing and being negative. I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. But too many times that's exactly what happens in church. I had a guy tell me the other day, the other day, that's something that Southern people say, every day is the other day, it was like five years ago. <laughs> I had a guy tell me, probably about four or five months ago, and that's true, <laughs> about four or five months ago, I had this guy, he didn't go to church, he told me uh, when I took him out for lunch, a guy that I, I'm friends with at the gym, told him, uh, I said, well, why, aren't, why don't you go to church, you know, um, you know, I've known you for about two years now, and been wanting you to come. Why haven't you come? Just curious. And he said, well, I'll be real honest with you. He said, the way I view church, he said, is that I think that church is the place where you're supposed to feel free to be the most authentic, be the most real, and you're supposed to have the deepest relationships on the planet. I said, I agree with that. He said, but for me, church is the last place that I feel comfortable being real and being myself, and it's the place where I have the most shallow relationships on the planet. And that shook me, and that stuck with me. And how many people are in the same boat that my friend is? That he's not wanting to be a part of this family that does life together, that grows in love together, because it's been all about a form of religion, a form of godliness, but with no real power, with no real love, with no real connection, with no real growth. It's been about these shallow relationships. I, I, I believe God wants us to have deep 
relationship with one another. We should have the deepest relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We should feel free to be authentic and real in the context of this family that we call church because we're not worried about being judged or put down. We can be free to go and air our differences and, and, and try to work together like Jesus said in Matthew 18. If someone does you wrong, instead of it being a cesspool of negativity that oftentimes will circulate in churches. Because for a church to really thrive, for a church to really be healthy, we have to be in unity. Amen? Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, the Bible talks about the first church. In Acts 4, and verse 32 says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. They were in unity. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. It says here that these guys had everything in common. They just shared their stuff. The heart was so much for the love of God and the love for one another that I don't even own anything. Just you, If you have something, here you go, take it. We're going to have all things in common because we love each other and we're there for each other. I saw that displayed this past weekend when just yesterday we had a group of men from church respond to a lady who had a need and she needed a fence put up in her backyard because she has five children and she's home alone because her husband has been deployed as a service member of our military. by herself and she didn't have a fence in her backyard and so she asked if some guys from the church would come and help her put up a fence in her backyard so she could let her children play and not have to worry you know about them you know running beyond where she could see and so there was a group of men that went over there why did they do that because of the reward that they would get because pastor would say something about it from the stage no they didn't know I was going to say anything about it the lady gave them donuts, and I don't know, they might have done it for that, but. <laughs> but those guys were out there making this fence for this lady. Why? Because we're a family, and there was a need, and we have all things in common, and we were willing to give up our Saturday to go and help and love. Why? That's what you do when you're family. And we're not going to hold it over anyone's head and go, well, you know, we did do that fence thing for you, so uh, what are you going to do for me? That's if love. That's conditional love, right? We're not going to love one another with that kind of love because that's not real love. No strings attached. Let me love you right where you're at. Let's have all things in common. Let's grow in that because a family does that. A family grows in community. That word community is a compound word made up of two words, common and unity. And it's a word that you'll find in our name of our church. A lot of times we just refer to the church as Word of Grace. But if you look on a sign, there's a little bit more to it than just Word of Grace. It's Word of Grace Community Church. We like to shorten it up to Word of Grace or WOG because we're lazy and we just want to say one syllable. WOG. I go to WOG. I go to Word of Grace Community Church. That's a mouthful, but yet it's something I think that's really profound that kind of defines who we are. As you think about that, Word of Grace Community Church. I used to think that the word community meant small, like just for Sheboygan Falls and nobody else. Like we charge a fee at the door if you're not from Sheboygan Falls, you know. 
And I used to think that's what that word community kind of entailed with that, that type of mentality. But now that I've grown in my understanding of that, actually community is us saying we're together in this. Not just people of Falls, not just even people in Sheboygan County. People come and gather here as a part of this community because we have something in common. What is it? Our love for God, our love for people, our desire to serve. That's what brings us together. Our love for God, our love for people, our desire to serve. You see, we're a Word of Grace community church. We have a common unity that brings us together. The idea that we're all called to be a part of this local body to grow together, to sharpen one another, to grow in that loving God, loving people, and serving the world together, to be disciples of Christ. And I believe that discipleship happens best in the context of relationship. That's why Proverbs 27 and 17 says that as iron sharpens iron, so does one man's countenance sharpen another. That we're here to sharpen one another. That everybody has something to offer. Everybody brings something different and unique to the table. Everyone here is here for a purpose. Not just to come and to hear me preach. No, you're a part of a family. It's, it's more than just a weekend service. It's more than just a ministry. It's more than just a, a Sunday school class or something for youth or kids. It's, it's more than anything that, that, that we could do here. It's, it's something deeper. It's something more, more valuable than just coming in once a week. This is a family. This is a community. This is something where we're growing together in those relationships to be disciples of Jesus. And so that means weekend services aren't the answer. Programs aren't the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Weekend services and programs are good. Those things are tools that God gives us, things that God uses to definitely point us to Jesus and help us to grow. But it's all about Jesus. Here's the thing. Services, programs, and the way we structure everything should all simply just be tools for us to grow in being disciples of Jesus because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And I want you to get this. Somebody told me this the other day, and this rocked my world. A young guy came up to me and told me, Pastor, I'm just getting this revelation that Jesus is the answer. And I've grown up in church my whole life. He said, I used to think church was the answer so far as getting them in a building in a weekend service. I used to think that was the answer. He said, so for three years I went to college and, and I always tried to get these different guys to come to church because I thought if they could come to church then they could see how cool Jesus was and how great Jesus was at church and, and it was different than the Jesus they've been exposed to and come see cool Jesus at my church. Come and, come and be at my church where we have a different, you know, different presentation of Jesus and who he is. He said, and I missed it for that whole three years, he said, because I didn't realize that I could have been building a relationship with this guy and showing him Jesus because Jesus is in me. Are people going to get saved when they come in this building? Oh yeah, you better believe it. But this is not the only place that they can meet Jesus. Hello, somebody. They need to meet Jesus in our everyday lives. They can be introduced to Jesus through you doing what? Showing them the love of God by loving them and serving them. By you being real and authentic and transparent. Not like you're acting like you're the person who has all of the answers. But that you introduce them to the one who is the answer. That you show them that Jesus Christ 
is the hope of the world because the love that he has given you has wrecked your life and changed your heart, changed the way you treat people, changed the way you interact with people, changed the way that you're willing to forgive and the way that you're willing to be patient and full of grace and full of mercy because you know the one who has poured out his life and poured out those things for you. And you show them that person. Because here's the beauty of that. If you introduce people to Jesus through the way you love them, through the love of God that shed abroad in your heart, then they get introduced to Jesus through relationship. And then they have an easier time understanding the idea of having a relationship with God. You see, if we tell them all, all, all God and all Jesus is is wrapped up in a weekend service or a ministry, well, then they compartmentalize automatically in their lives and in, in their hearts and in their minds that, well, that means relationship with God is equated to services and ministries and programs. And so if I'm not in one of those things or doing one of those things, then God really isn't interested in the rest. But if I introduce them to Jesus in the context of me having relationship with them, they get it from the beginning. This whole thing is about relationship. This whole thing is about loving God. This whole thing is not just affecting me when the weekend comes around on Sunday morning or whenever my group meets or whenever my particular program or ministry that I enjoy is having their service. But no, he's involved in my everyday life because I was introduced to him through my everyday life. I saw him modeled in my everyday life. I saw the love of God approach me at a break room table or at a restaurant, or in my living room. And I saw the love of God manifested in the sons and daughters of God. Because you and I are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're the body of Christ. And Jesus is the answer. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen? Not just a weekend service. Not just a program. Those things are wonderful vehicles and tools. And we'll have those things, for sure. But those things are not the answer. Jesus alone is the answer. And we're going to talk about Jesus, we're going to sing about Jesus, and we're going to show Jesus in the way we love God, we love people, and the way we serve the world. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially when you see the day approaching that Jesus is coming soon. And we can see that day is getting closer and closer. Don't forsake that assembly. Why? Why? Because we need this family. We need one another. We need this community. We need this family. God wants you to understand something. He wants you to understand how great, how deep, how wide, how awesome His love is. And the best way that we can do that is through getting to know who He is. That's why he gave us his word. He wants us to understand it so we can apply it, so we can get a bigger picture of who God is because he wants us to know him. He wants us to know his love. He wants us to know his son. This is part of being a disciple, a disciplined follower, a disciplined learner of Jesus, someone who grows and learns to overcome because Jesus won the victory over sin and its grip on, over me. A disciple learns who they are in Christ. I don't want you to grow dependent upon me as your pastor. I want you to grow dependent upon Jesus. Amen? I'm going to say that one again. I don't want you to grow dependent upon me for your faith as a pastor. I want you to grow dependent upon Jesus because Jesus is the answer. 
because I am a man. <laughs> and I do stupid man things that men do. I want to be an example, and I want to model for you the love of God that he shed abroad in my heart. And I want to teach you the word because that's what he's created and called me to do, is to teach and to lead, to be an example, to live this thing out. But I'm not perfect. Far from it. I can't talk to God any better than any one of you can. God doesn't hear my prayers better than he hears yours. It's not the way this works. You have access to him. Why? Because you belong to him through faith in his son, Jesus. Here's the thing. You can pray. You can hear from God. You can follow his leading. You can read and understand the word of God. You can learn to overcome and trust God because Jesus is the answer. Don't follow man. Follow Jesus. Amen, somebody. So it's that simple. This is simple. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. Glorify Jesus with what we're doing here by loving God, by loving people, by serving. It's a natural process. So before we go, I want to give you these four things that I believe are going to define us as a church and I, my desire and my heart for our church. And I'm going to leave them up on the screen, have the guys leave it up on the screen at the end of service. So if you don't get a chance to write them down now, because I'm going to go through them quickly here. The first thing to bring clarity here is Word of Grace embraces a family concept of believers who follow Jesus not a consumer mindset that's only interested in what I get out of the deal. Second thing is word of grace embraces the idea of relationship with God and others is key to growth as a disciple. Number three, discipleship happens best in the context of relationship with one another. This is how he's called us. He's commissioned us to go and make disciples. Number four, growth happens at every stage in life as we continue to grow in loving God, loving people and serving the world together. Growth happens at all these different stages in life. You have something to offer. You have something to contribute to this family. Because we're all members. We all function differently in our roles that God has called us to. And He doesn't want us to be stagnant. He doesn't want us to hit time out and get offended. He doesn't want us to hit these roadblocks that we're never able to grow from. He wants us to love like He loved. Love like Jesus loved. Love like Jesus showed us to love and grow in that because it will change the way we treat each other, change the way we interact with people. It will make us want to serve one another to be able to point each other to the love of God. Amen? So I'm going to give structure and strategy over the next few weeks that God has shown me over this past year how we're going to structure around these values of understanding what this simple church is all about so we can grow deeper in the Word and so we can grow deeper in our relationships with one another. I believe that this series is going to be a course-setting series for us as a church. We're also going to launch the Elements videos with this series. If you remember that from the Marriage series, we had the little five-minute videos with the notes and things like that. So those are going to be available every Wednesday. So I would encourage you to invite friends or neighbors or maybe even your family to watch those videos with you and go through those different studies each week so you'll grow deeper in your understanding of what His church is all about. And I want us to do this as family. For us to get into the Word together as family. For us to break bread as family. For us to worship as family. For us to carry one another as family. For us to forgive. For us to not harbor up bitterness. For us to love. For us to be patient. For us to be full of grace and mercy. Because us love and truth, as the Bible says, that iniquity is purged. 
not to get caught up in all of the junk that the enemy would want to throw your way to get you to stumble or fall or get you off track. Because believe me, there's plenty of that out there. Plenty of that out there in this world that would want to get you to stumble and fall. Say, no, I'm going to love like Jesus loved. I'm going to serve people like Jesus served. That means wash feet, I'm going to wash feet. If it means say, Father, forgive them for they know what they do, then Father, forgive them for they know what they do. They know not what they do. If it's being patient, if it's being full of grace, if it's you connecting with someone, if it's you stepping outside of what's comfortable, it's what we're going to do together. We're going to be there for one another because we're family. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your head? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.